Thank you so much, Deb and choir and the praise band. Can we celebrate our worship arts team? That was, that was really uh, tremendous. Uh, Lent specifically, but also Easter is a time of reflection and we remember our families. Um, and uh, my dad would have absolutely loved the choir and the dancing. Um, and his, also his favorite love was just like Natalie to say, he is risen. So in honor of him, I'm going to say it one more time, he has risen. He just delighted in that, the, the joy and the glory. Well, good morning. It is good to see you all. Beautiful morning. In light of reflection, I've been reflecting a little bit this particular Easter, funny, way back to a relationship, uh, just a friendship, um, from college. And there was uh, this uh, freshman, we were both freshmen, and we had the same major, so we had um, a lot of crossover, and we slowly got to know one another. Her name was Emily. And we were both experiencing, we were raised in uh, Christian families, but we were kind of both experiencing a perspectives that were, were broad and wide and were opening our, our eyes to a, a broader world, a bigger world, different faiths, uh, different perspectives, um, all those kind of things, different definitions of truth, those things. And there was an interesting dynamic that was happening, and we were kind of processing this together. For Emily, as often happens, when we get to college can happen where we start questioning and doubting faith, the Christian faith. And she was moving away from the faith, as often perhaps many of you experienced in college. For whatever reason, because of the widening perspectives and the questions, and I, were, I was asking new questions, I happened to be drawing closer to Christ that freshman year. So we would have this discussion and we were really moving an ongoing discussion in two different ways. And I remember one of her perspectives. I was thinking about that this Easter. She was saying, you know, Christianity is one of the many faiths and really it's a European faith. It's a, it's a, a, a faith of the West, a, a, a white person's faith. It was one perspective, and then connected to it, which was kind of an interesting, a little bit more academic, a little bit more scholarly, the idea that Jesus never really intended for the universal application of the faith. And in fact, he was just really focused on his people, and it was his disciples that were focused on a, and the spread of this, and, and I've carried that with me throughout the uh, throughout the years. And I'll think about that from time to time. In terms of the the universal idea, or just being one culture, I think you'd have to make an argument. If Christianity is any one culture, it would be a Jewish culture, right? That that Jesus was was Jewish, and his apostles were Jewish. And then days like today seem to argue against that idea. Do you realize? that over 2.3 billion people are celebrating 
Easter today, or, or at least in the season, Easter season. And in every country, it kind of depends on how you count countries, like if you include particular things, but there's uh, estimated 195 countries in the world. And in every country, even the countries that are dominated by another faith, like Islam or Hinduism or our atheist state, even in those countries, there is a Christian presence in every country. Take Iran, for example. Even in Iran, there's 0.4% Christians. There is a testimony. There are missionaries, though persecuted. There is this universal perspective of the faith. But in terms of Jesus' intent, what did Jesus intend? That's a different question, isn't it? It's a, a different thought. And, and I wish I had a better answer for Emily at the time, but really, I went personally to Jesus' words to try and figure out, was he really focused on just his people, or did his intent, was the intent of his heart this universal application that Christianity has become? And I've convinced by his words, yes, but I have found an even stronger uh, conviction. And that's through relationship. That's through the testimony of people from different walks of life, from different places, and from different locations. Ironically, I was thinking about this because for the first time in my life, I traveled really close to where all of the uh, Easter happenings happened. I, I traveled, many of you know, to uh, about a month ago to Lebanon, Beirut, Lebanon. And, and Beirut is just about 150 miles uh, north of Jerusalem, right? So just two trips from here to Denver, uh, really. So very, very close. And it was this beautiful experience. And I was surprised by, by many, many things, pleasantly surprised. One, I was assuming that there would be a pretty significant desert feel with a whole lot of sand. It is as mountainous as Colorado Springs. It is, I, I went up to the mountains and saw that in Lebanon. It was amazing. Also, it wasn't desert because it sits on the Mediterranean Sea. That's myself and Pastor Gabby. Right there, you know, all the stories of Jesus on the Sea of Galilee. Right there, we got to see that and experience that and brought home the, the landscape uh, of Easter to me, really. I was also surprised um, by the feel of Lebanon. I was assuming it would feel very Muslim. It's the Middle East, right? And that I would write most of the places. It's actually did not feel that way. There's 41% are Christians in Lebanon. And you could feel the faith in, in particular places. And then finally, I'd say I was really surprised by the people. I'm not sure what I expected from the people, but I, I didn't expect them to receive me so warmly. They, they, I, I told my wife, I'm like, 
Kendra, they, they like love me here. She's like, Eric, we cannot move to Lebanon. We just, that is not an okay thing. There was just a beauty of their heart and soul. And I wanted to share a couple of stories this Easter from the people I met and their testimony that really taught me quite a bit about the intent of Jesus, about Jesus' heart. I want to share with you um, just Alan's story. He was, uh, we had some ministry time on Saturday, and then uh, and then Sunday was worship, and I got to pray. I got to teach and preach and minister on Saturday and Sunday. We, I brought a little video just of the, the worship. Alan is the one who's hopping in the middle of the kids. Do you see? Oh, wait, we'll get back to him. That's Alan right there. Okay, we can stop that. So I was struck by the universal nature of the faith, that even though it was a different language, Arabic, at the heart of worship and the presence of God was there. And I even knew, knew some of the songs that I could sing in English because they had a lot of our same worship songs on the other side of the world, which was awesome. Alan, I got to know because we, uh, we had that mini retreat and I was talking about the part of the talk was the inner work of the Spirit of Christ, that he wants to do restoration and healing and transformation in the heart. And after church on Sunday, uh, a big group of us went out uh, to eat and to celebrate. And Alan and his wife were down at the uh, end of the table, and I was kind of sitting in the middle. And Alan spoke some English. You've got Arabic, you've got French, you've got uh, English are all three primary languages there. And, and um, Alan was a big guy, and he was a personal trainer, and he said, Pastor, Pastor, I looked over, I'm like, Alan. He's like. <laughs> and I was like, I am really get glad this big guy likes me because he was a neat guy. And then later in, in the week, so I got to know him and, um, and his wife, and I got to know a lot of the other leaders. We were in a, a prayer meeting with worship and so forth, much like we do here, which was cool. And, uh, and then they had a testimony time, and Alan shared a testimony about something that he could not let go of. He could not forgive. And on Saturday, during the ministry, as he prayed through the work of the Holy Spirit, as others prayed for him, and as I got to pray for him, finally, there was release in his heart and soul. Later, I asked Pastor Gabby about the story. He said a lot of people 
in that prayer meeting knew what was going on with Alan. He said, said, Eric, Alan's story is he's only been a Christian for a couple of years. In fact, a big part of his story is that his mom, her life was taken by a neighbor. And Alan was furious. He knew this neighbor. The neighbor was on drugs. The, The neighbor was convicted and thrown in jail. And Alan had a plan before he had met Christ. He had a plan. He was contemplating going through it that he would commit some kind of crime to get himself put in that prison so he could take the life of his mother's killer. That was his plan. And he lived his life with a lot of, you could call, inner demons that were happening there. And yet he met Pastor Gabby and the community of faith And he started to attend worship services very infrequently and had some questions. And he started to battle. He he started to hear an invitation to a different way to live, a different way to follow Christ. And yet he was stuck in his old ways, that inner demons that came out in his life, back and forth and back and forth. And finally, believe it was around Easter time, He gave his life to Christ and things from the inside out began to change. And he began to let go of so many of the inner demons. He began to forgive and love and bless. And you could see that little bit of hopping and dancing that was going on. There became a a joy that happened within Alan. And yet he still fought that forgiveness. Yet Jesus was not done with him yet, right? And he finally was able to let go. And now he's talking about blessing that person in jail. And I thought, what a testimony of Jesus' heart and Jesus' intent. That Jesus had an intent for Alan. That he, Alan, was a a person that's heart was full of hate. And yet Jesus' intent was to fill him and make him into a person with a heart full of love. And that transformation that, that took place. I was reminded of that, that promise of God in the Old Testament. And, and to think that Alan lived this promise from Ezekiel when the Lord said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, a soft heart, a forgiving heart, a loving heart. Do you realize that's the testimony of the resurrection? The testimony of the cross is forgiveness of sin. But praise God, the Christian story does not end there. It has resurrection and transformation from the inside out. 
As I was reading the Easter stories, one of them was the, the story that we read together in Mary Magdalene, right? That's a, a story that we read. And I was struck as I was thinking about Alan, how different Alan is from Mary and how similar Alan is to Mary. First, how different Mary was this Jewish woman, right, it, it, living in first century that had interaction with Jesus, and Alan is this 21st century personal trainer and dealing with his own things, and yet Christ was mindful of both of them in different times, in different countries, and different cultures, and different professions. And yet there's a similarity between them. Oftentimes we only talk about Mary Magdalene in Easter time because we see her in the story. And yet we have a little bit of who she was in the Gospels. In fact, it talks about the struggles, just a little bit, a snippet of who she was. It comes from Luke's, Luke 8, 1 and 2. It says this, After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. However your perspective of the demonic and the spiritual realms is, is it fair to say that Mary Magdalene had a profound inner turmoil that was happening in her life, yes? Struggling with those inner demons. And if you look again at the, the scripture that we read, we see that Jesus knows her and loves her and reaches out to her and I'm convinced playfully says, woman, why are you crying? Did he know why she was crying? Of course he did. Why did he ask? Just because he, he's drawing her in a playful way, I think. And she says, Rabboni. And then she tries to hold on to him. And he says, no, 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 no. I have a, a job for you to do. And Mary goes from this person with this inner struggle and this inner turmoil to the first evangelist. And she becomes an apostle to the apostles. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and to your God. What's interesting about Alan is Pastor Gabby said Alan has become his best evangelist in the church. Alan is telling everybody about the work of Christ in his life, the transformation that he experienced, and he's drawing people more than anyone else, to the church so that they would hear the life transformation that Jesus wants to do. Just like Mary. I was also thinking about the intent of Jesus 
not only cross-cultural, but that he doesn't reach out to just one person. He doesn't just love those who are struggling with inner demons or are struggling, but it seems like through testimony, there's this profound, broad perspective that he meets everyone where they are at. In the very same chapter of we read Mary Magdalene is the story of Thomas. And what do we know about Thomas? What is Thomas' reputation? He was, yeah, we don't really know about inner turmoil. We know that he was a skeptic, right? We know that he had questions. Maybe it was because of doubt that he wasn't with the other apostles when Jesus and resurrection form appeared to him. He says, I will not believe it. I think you guys are making it up. Well, I'm, I'm paraphrasing there. but he, So let's read the story real briefly. He sa it says this in verse 24. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. He said, hogwash. No, I'm just putting that paraphrase in there. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. Interesting, Thomas has this Different issue. There, there's a skepticism, a doubt, a, a struggle. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said, Thomas, he must have been listening. Put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. So interesting how differently that he interacts with Mary and verse Thomas. There was a diversity there. He, he knew each one of them. He loved each one of them. He was inviting both of them to not only faith, but a new life and a new way to live. Church history tells us that Thomas, it's really unfortunate that his reputation is doubting Thomas because he went on to India, the country of India, and to lead a, a movement of the kingdom of God, you still have Indian Christians that are worshiping today and celebrating Easter, and they trace back their heritage to the apostle Thomas, who at one time was doubting, now a whole Indian Christians worshiping that. Thomas went from skeptic to worshiper, and to evangelists, my Lord and my God. The story of Thomas reminded me of one other person I met in, in Lebanon, and his name was Abdo, and his wife was Abla, and I got to pray 
over them on Saturday as well. And they had told Pastor Gabby that they wanted, if, if they could have me for a day, drive me to the mountains and see the beauty of Lebanon. And so I said, that would be great. I'd love to see it. And ancient ruins, there were ancient ruins before Christ and in the Roman era. It was just, it was awesome. But I don't have time to share all about the awesome scenery and the ruins that were there. But Abdo and Abla came to my hotel and first he pulls up and they were in a Porsche. And I was like, who would know that I would drive the sweetest car ever in my life in Lebanon, all right? And so we, I slide into the Porsche and he, he takes off. And, and uh, Abdo had a lot to tell me. He, he, he wanted to spend some time. But the first thing he does is he apologizes. He says, Pastor, I, I'm sorry. I, I have a lot of sarcasm. That's who I am. I make fun. And I tell a lot of jokes. And I was like, Abdo, I love you. Yes. He's like, I've offended other pastors. I'm like, no, let me have it. So we were telling jokes, and the, and the interaction between him and his wife were absolutely hilarious, and we, we were laughing. We're going up the mountainside, and I soon realized why he drove a Porsche. Because he loved the power to pass, even on dangerous and life-threatening mountain hillsides, right? Now, people have asked me, were I, was I afraid ever in Lebanon, because it was the Middle East? I said, only and always while driving in traffic. All right, didn't matter who was driving, Pastor Gabby in Beirut, it just was, it, there's no discernible rules uh, of the road, right? You just, everyone knows that you don't want to get in an accident, but outside of that, it's a free-for-all. I'm not making that up, so we're, we're driving now on the mountains, Abdo loved to pass, and he would look for the opening, and he would, it would just, had to be the smallest opening, but now what's interesting is in Lebanon is you not only look at the opening for the, the, the length of that, you look for the width. So even if there's no opening like with cars coming the other direction, if the, the road is wide enough for three or possibly four, then that's an opening to go, right? So he's passing on a regular basis and Abla does not like his driving. And so she, as he would zoom and fire, she'd go, oh God, oh God. She wasn't being sacrilegious. She was literally crying out for her life, right? In that it was so fast. And then he sees, he was, uh, there was this fast truck and he couldn't get around it and, and there was no opening and it, was, it went like three or four minutes without passing and I knew he was restless. And then I, he sees this opening and I see the smallest of opening and it was like this Pepe Le Pew moment. He sees it and he turns to Abla and says, it is time. I am not making this up. And he zooms and fires the Porsche. And you know what I said inside? Oh, God. Now, while all this was happening, 
Somewhere in the conversation, we had lunch together. It was a beautiful day. I fell in love with Abla um, and Abdo. And, and Abla says, you know, Abdo, he has many jewels in his crown in heaven. And I said, you know, if you get a jewel for your driving skills, I believe it. He's got a lot. But she said, you know, you're an older couple. Don't really know, probably late 60s, maybe in early 70s. She said, you know, he has led almost all of our friends and family to Christ. And, and uh, he wouldn't share this. He was a humble man, a loving man. And over the course of the day, he shared his story. He did not come to Christ until 60 years old. He was uh, raised in a Catholic family, but he was very inquisitive. He was very skeptical. He had many doubts like Thomas that we read. And he said, as I asked the religious leaders about these questions He said, no one gave me good answers. So I dismissed it, and I went on. And he went on to be very successful, um, owning a restaurant in the United States and uh, different real estate and construction. Later, Gabby would tell me that he supports many people uh, in Lebanon and around. He's just that giving person. He wouldn't share that again, this humble man uh, now. But he lived the life. In a, in a personal moment, just between me and him, he also said, Pastor, I, I also had many relationships through the years. But I want you to know, I never had true love. I never had true love. And it was age 60 that he decided to pursue these questions on his own. And he said, I read, and I got my hands on whatever books I could. I read, and I read, and I read the Bible. Yet work was everything. He would read till wee hours in the morning. Sometimes he would miss work because he was reading, and he was reading, and he was reading. And as he read different people and scripture, and his questions and his doubts and his skepticism were answered, he began to experience the true love of Christ in the midst of that. He began to hear the invitation of Christ to not just the forgiveness of his sins. He understood that part of the gospel. But he also began to realize that Christ wanted to transform his life from the inside out. And it was this Mario Andretti driving Lebanese man, self-made man, that heard the invitation to Christ. And Abdo, he went from a self-centered man to a man of love. Reminded me of the Words of the apostle, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us 
gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. What happened in Abdo is he experienced the, the way, the true love of Christ. And it transformed him to love others as he had been loved. It was a beautiful testimony. And I was, as I was reflecting on these stories, now I, I have the ultimate expression of friendship from these individuals. I'm, I'm now Facebook friends with, with several Lebanese Christians from this church. I tell you, they love me. I'm, I'm, no, I, but this, this work in Christ, this sense of, wow, Jesus works in them just like he does me here and just like the thousands and the millions of people in the Western world. And as I was reflecting, I, I've lost touch with Emily, my, my college friend, but I hope that Emily has experienced the testimony of people, not just in the West, but around the world that Jesus' heart and intent is for every single individual, every woman, every man, every child, that they would know that there is forgiveness of sin, restoration from the inside out, and a new life that he longs to not leave anyone in their sins, no matter what that looks like, separation from God's inner demons, no matter what that is, skepticism, that his heart and his longing is that we would turn to him. Because the, the reality is, is we all, in one way or another, are broken and separated from God. We all, one way or another, need a Savior. It doesn't matter if we are a man or a woman, if we are Lebanese or American or Iranian. It doesn't matter. We all need a Savior. And it's amazing that not only is Christianity indeed universal, but also so personal. That's the testimony in every nation, in every person. The personal intent of Jesus is to invite us, transform us, and give us that resurrection testimony. Can we pray together? So Jesus, we are so thankful that indeed your heart is for each and every one of us. And your voice speaks to each and every one of us. Thank you, Spirit, that you speak. 
Can we just take a moment of quiet in this Resurrection Sunday? We have sung together corporately. We have celebrated together corporately. But the heart of Christ is that he knows you personally. No matter how old you are or who you are, no matter what inner demons that you struggle with, that he knows you and he loves you and he's inviting you to a resurrection life, a kingdom life, and a testimony. I want to encourage you to listen for his voice now and today. He speaks through others, friends, parents, spouses. He speaks through music and lines. Perhaps most importantly, he speaks with an inner voice, the heart and the soul. Would you hear his heart afresh this morning? Would you hear his intent? He is alive. And therefore you can be alive. Jesus, we love you. Teach us your voice. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.